Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are finally, this will make Mike so happy, we're finally wrapping up our two months of Scorsese. This is our last episode on one of the great masters of cinema, and Mike just can't wait to get to get it over with uh, and get to his favorite, which we'll go into who we're talking about at the end of the episode. So keep that clamp down, Mike. I can see you just ready to launch in. So... But- this isn't really an indictment of Scorsese, because haven't I felt this way at the end of every month well, so far? I mean, Ready to move on. Yes. I mean, when you watch that many movies by someone, when you're watching like a minimum of 20 hours of their work, mm-hmm. by the end you're like, okay, I mean, I've had enough of this. It's time to move on. And we did not only double that 20 hours, but the end of his career, the later part of his career, it's like everything's three three hours long. So... The time spent, you've spent, I think, enough time with Scorsese. I think we've covered all but maybe like four of his narrative films in these two months. So I really think now's the time where you drop a clip from your uh, second month expert on, you know, one of those films that uh, we decided to kick to the curb (laughs) for Scorsese. But our expert this month is Hiro of the True Bromance Film Podcast. Uh, Weirdly, Kundun superfan. That is not... (laughs) <laughs> Something that even makes sense to me. Like, I know he's told me a hundred times how much he loves it, but it just it doesn't fit in my brain. But, you know, you know, it's like the, uh, the Sopranos things. Hey, Marty, Kundun, I liked it. Like, that's, that's everyone's connection with that. But Hyro is really into it, and God bless him. So, yeah, uh, I think with that, just a little bit there. You've convinced me to rewatch The Sopranos, but not Kundun. But not Kundun. Like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll watch five seasons of this just to get to the Kundun line. But like two hours about Kundun? Not interested in eh. that. So eh. sorry. So this is a, a first for this show. Granted, it's not a show that's been going on for a long, long time. But uh, I think it's the first time we've covered a movie that is, you know, now out. Uh, that is a new release. So this feels very odd to me. Uh, we couldn't record this ahead of time. I couldn't edit this ahead of time. So this is very stressful, but we are going to talk about The Irishman, but it's kind of nice that we're going to be releasing this episode right when it's available on Netflix. Because uh, if I can get my ass again and edit it tonight. Yes. Intended it. Yes. Watch it on your phone, your tablet. And then listen to us. That's exactly what yes. you wanted. Yes, absolutely. But unlike uh, all the peasants out there, we both saw it in theaters, so... We're kind of a big deal. <laughs> I, You know what? I think at my showing that Netflix sent like a double agent because it was a miserable, miserable trip to the movies uh, with this young man who was talking to himself or the screen. <laughs> he, he attended by himself and decided to sit in my row. Oh, of course this, he this, did. The theater's. Seats about 800, and there were like 35 people there. So, <laughs> on a Friday night, not exactly a rousing show of support for the uh-huh. you know the Netflix movie. So, uh, yeah, he's got the hipster glasses, he's got the beard. I'm thinking that I'm gonna have like a, a compatriot, a guy that's gonna like be on his best behavior. He's not nope. like a grouchy old man. Nope. Uh, and then at a certain point in the uh, Irishman, actually, the exact scene. So maybe maybe this is just more where my headspace is, where uh, our title character is uh, going over his various guns that he has in this collection <laughs> yes. and which one to use for which job. Uh, that's when this young man decides to bend over and start reaching into his oh. jacket. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I position myself uh, ready to, to run, be, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, I I actually was gonna launch at this guy, so I'm gonna be the first one. Oh, dead the hero. look at you! Yeah, <laughs> because well, there, there's there's a calculation, Dave, that I can't run that fast because I was three <laughs> I was three rows away from the screen. See, so the ultimate exits. cinephile way to go, like dying in the middle <laughs> yeah. of a Scorsese film on the big screen. Well done, Mike. There would be kind of a uh, like kind of a cruel joke though that you're dying in the middle of a movie. I mean, not even the end credits. Like, how did it uh, end? But no. <laughs> I don't know what he was reaching for, a uh, flask or whatever. Uh, instead, he just uh, puts his head down between his legs and starts puking in the oh, aisle. Oh, he had a good night. <laughs> I went from fearing my death or uh, you know martyrdom or being proclaimed a hero, <laughs> the savior of cinema, saving Marty, uh, the theatrical experience, to being disgusted and having to uh, switch uh, oh, places in the theater. Like That's, that's a rough theater not, experience. That's Not a good time. See, mine was. Uh, I could have done that myself. At but, home. Yes. You know, I could be the one puking in my own floor. See, my experience was really good. I, you know, I went to. I had to go to this specific theater because it was only playing in one theater, and it's one of those theaters that mm-hmm. before the movie they'll like bring you food to your table. So I had, you know, I had a drink. I had some nachos. The crowd was full, uh, completely sold out. I bought the very last ticket, uh, and everyone was very appreciative and happy to be there. It was a great movie watching experience for me because I, I mean, think. I think he was happy to be there, but well, it didn't end didn't that end way that though. Way. Yeah, yeah. So I think we had very different theater experiences. So that's you know, I guess one point for California and one deducted Kentucky. Just maybe don't you know OD on the bourbon before the movie. That's that's not a, not a good move. Um. So, yep. um. So the Irishman. So let's get into this because I think we're gonna have different opinions because I, of course, follow you on Letterbox. So I saw your star rating as and, you should and did not mm-hmm. and everyone should it's a very it's a great letterbox account uh what is the what is it under again because you have so many podcasts i can't is it the marcus played <laughs> one is it <laughs> i also have like three or four letterbox accounts that i'm right, like i abandoned right. that one move on to things i stupidly just discovered that if you pay for pro you can change your handle i'm like oh i probably oh. should have just done that but um uh, never mind you know we started fresh this year this is like a 2019 account and it, i believe it's under uh marcus played as yeah. the handle but it's under my name michael does yeah. so you know you can find me there yeah highly entertaining account um so we have i think but not different... my irishman review is what you're about to say yeah that one's terrible it's stupid he's an idiot don't don't <laughs> listen to him <laughs> no but actually this ties in exactly to my thoughts about the movie is that I watched it, and I absolutely loved it. I think it's phenomenal. But I also walked out of it thinking, like, I could totally understand why people wouldn't love this, or even people that would dislike it. Sometimes you see a movie, and you're like, anyone who doesn't like this movie is dumb, and I don't want to talk to them. And sometimes you see a movie, and you really enjoy it, and you're like, oh, no, I get why people wouldn't connect to this. Um, Because for me, what it really felt like and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't really know what your your background is. But to me, this felt like when you are at like a family function at a, and, and an old drunk Italian is telling you a story. And it's kind of rambling and goes a lot of different directions. And you're kind of wondering, like, what is going on here? And then it all connects at the end. And you're like, oh, this was actually really entertaining. In this case, three and a half hours. And it felt and that felt like. It felt warm to me, like, and it was a, it was a really nice feeling. And I kind of realized it about 45 minutes into it, that that's what this was. And that's when I also kind of realized like, yeah, not everyone is going to love this. 
because it doesn't shy away from going a lot of different directions. But one of the things I like most about it is I think a simpler director would make Jimmy Hoffa your main character, right? It would be a biopic. But I like that you take this character who is kind of ancillary to these giant events and you follow him and you take a look at the impact that his actions and inactions have had not only on his life, but on everyone who cares about him. And that stuff all really worked for me. Like I heard a lot of people upset that Anna Paquin had barely any lines, but I think that's the point. I think that's the point of that interaction is that it wouldn't have mattered what she said. She got her point across through very, very little speaking. And that really worked for me. But of course, there was a lot of like, oh, just another example of Scorsese doesn't like women and he doesn't let him talk. And I was like that. You uh, you kind of missed the point there. Um, but what's your take I mean, on I the Irishman? Because I know you're not definitely not as high on it as I am. I think 2019 has, has proven because as you were saying, um, I've had similar thoughts. And my, my favorite film so far this year is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching that and even on podcasts, when I've talked about it. I've been totally comfortable with the idea that people are not going to be into it sure and i I watched it again uh the day after the irishman because i had that sort of Mm. in my head where i'm like okay i responded really strongly to this film which is slow kind of ambles along Mm -hmm. and you're just sort of following people along and you're you're waiting to see what the culmination is basically like during the film like Prove to me there's a reason I'm with mm. these people other mm-hmm. than it's just fun, you know, and mm-hmm. some people may not have fun. They don't want to hang out with this stunt man and this actor that cries all the time. I guess I had more of that with the Irishman. Now, what's mm. funny, though, is when you're saying I could see people not digging it. And even my example of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sits at 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So it's a critical darling success. Irishman is currently at 96%. So I very much feel uh, out in the wilderness by on my, my letterbox account. I Only three, three stars. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> but this uh, doesn't this seem fa- like a movie made for critics, right? Like this is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of technical achievement going into it, but I can, like a lot of people in my, like at my work, they know, like I love movies. So they started asking me about this. And I find it really difficult to recommend this movie to them because I think if, especially if you don't have the context of Scorsese's entire career, like we have just gained uh, through this podcast, like I think there's a, in a meta way, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that like your normal film is like, why am I still here? Like it's three hours. Yeah. What are we doing? So I said there's like 35 people that were uh, with me in the the drunk having that experience, that that shared communal experience. And when I switched seats, I went further back. I went mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, you know, three rows away from the screen. Apparently, that's where the 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 mosh pit is. That's where the like the freaks and the animals are coming down to like spew out everything they have in their bodies. Maybe I'll go back with the old people like further away. <laughs> and uh, when I got a little distance, I can see like people getting up. And about twelve people got up and left at mm-hmm. various points and never came back. So yeah, I do think there will be a disconnect. Now I don't know. Maybe the Netflix model will help it because people will probably just treat it like a TV series. Like they'll catch it in segments and parts. Hmm. And you're uh, Dave. You know, I just, I just, no, no, no. It's it's fine. It's already like, it's it's fine if you do that. It does in this case because I think that long rambling nature, if you chop it up like that, like you don't get the feeling of it. Like you get all the moments, but I think, I think the length, it's like, it's a feature, not a bug. 
Like, it's not something that you're like, oh, this is too long. It's stupid. I think it should feel long. Like, it is the, it is the story of a life, a very long life, a very long, eventful life. So when you chop it up, like, I, I just hope it, you know, doesn't someday get the, you know, the Quentin Tarantino hateful eight treatment. Like, oh, let's just make it into chapters and you can take a break. And I'm like, no, I, I just, for me personally, I don't know if it would have affected me as much if I watched it in pieces. Like, I've told people, like, if you do watch this on Netflix, just lock up your phone. Just put it away because you will get distracted. It is a movie, especially given its length and just the way it's structured, that it would be easy to pick up your phone and start scrolling. And then you're going to you're going to miss a lot, I think. Biggest failure for me is uh, it's funny. I think there's a line in the film that's like, you know, kids today, they don't even know who Jimmy Fo- Jimmy Hoffa is like uh-huh. and I'm watching it and I'm like, yes, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like, I think the issue I have with it is our central character, uh, which I have a lot of issues with the movie, but I'd heard so many great things about Al Pacino and there is a little bit there's it's such a like shared thing. It feels like this and once upon a time in Hollywood are really tied together because both the responses online seems to be embracing uh, either the filmmaking death of Tarantino. Cause I've uh-huh. seen this response to both. It's like, if this is his last movie, it's a perfect last movie. And with Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci and Al Pacino, it's much more morbid where it's like, if they die tomorrow, and it could happen because they're <laughs> yeah, old as fuck. This is the perfect way for them to go out. And and Keitel, too. Don't I, forget about Harvey Keitel. He makes an appearance. Another I feel movie. like the movie kind of forgets about Keitel. Yeah, a little I, bit. It, when I was watching it, I was like, why didn't he get a bigger part? Like, you know, that wow. I enjoy all the, the performances. Uh, maybe not so much Pacino, which is weird because I heard such great things about him. But I feel like this I is honestly, such a Pacino role. I, I agree with you. I feel like he's actually the weakest part of the movie um, in terms of like the major performances here. And I, but I think, I think there's, he has to be, I think he has to be big and brash and loud. Uh, and that's why, like, in terms of screen time, like, he's not actually in it that much. And when he's there, it's for a couple minutes and then they kind of transfer to something else. Uh, I think probably to me, the most interesting performance is Pesci. Because uh, it's such a reserved, he's silent he's, he's really great. performance. Because yeah. usually, in, in a lot of Scorsese movies even, or even the rest of his movies, like, you know, My Cousin Vinny or whatever you want to, he's usually very energetic. And very kind of, you know, in your face on the screen. And this is like this really mellow, like one of my favorite moments is when he and De Niro's character first meet and he just starts asking, you know, he starts asking questions about where he's from and what he does. And then De Niro's, talking about the video game character he's having the conversation <laughs> shut up. with. The NPC. <laughs> and then De Niro. The, the visual effects on this are awful like the, this you know, technology is just it's not interesting ready. It's, it's just not ready yeah i mean i think it distracted me in like maybe the very first scene and then i totally let it go for whatever reason i just i didn't notice it anymore but that particular scene where de niro's asking a bunch of questions and pesci is just like he's confident enough to just not answer him and that tells you everything you need to know about the power and the confidence that that character holds and then that's why in every scene after that where he's just kind of sitting back and saying very simple things, you know everyone is listening. And it's just kind of a masterful uh, masterful performance from Pesci. It's actually one of probably my favorites of his career. Like, I really enjoyed this performance from him. It's great. And De Niro, especially in the last hour, I think is fantastic. Yeah, when he actually gets to have his own face and not be on the PlayStation 4 or whatever. Easy, like it, I mean, easy. It, I was shocked <laughs> at how 
awful this looks. I was like, man, and even it's just going to age even worse. Like this will look like the Polar Express in 10 years. It will look <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, that is the problem with any special effects heavy scene, right? Is that eventually, well, you know, it's going to it's going to be rough, but basically unnecessary because De Niro at his youngest looks like he's 45 fucking years old. Like it's just like <laughs> it doesn't seem like he doesn't look like a 20 something because they couldn't get they couldn't get it there. No way. And the whole time I'm thinking the movie's better if you just cast a younger actor and then you just kind of do like the old fashioned way. Uh-huh. You just like once they become adult, like say 35, it's just De Niro the rest of the way with makeup. Like and I think it wouldn't find. And I think this is, again, uh, one of the problems with, you know, the fact that this movie has been in production hell forever. Like he wanted to make this 20 years ago. You know, like he would have made this a long time ago and like he kept, you know, he kept trying and then calling his actors like, oh, we got to do this soon because we are getting old. <laughs> like we can't, you know, there is there's a huge difference from like, you know, de-aging someone in their 50s and someone in their 70s. Like there's <laughs> there's a lot more, not only work with the special effects, but with like the way that they stand, the way that they walk, like a 70 year old man doesn't walk like a 30 year old man does. The way, it's, it's <laughs> the way that... uh De Niro, you know, goes to take up for his child daughter and is like, you know, throwing a beat down. It's kind of cringy because he looks like, like physically he looks like an old man. And at that point, it's like he's supposed to be like at the like sort of the like the height of his like of masculine his physical powers. powers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I felt like there's a lot of stuff. There, there's a lot of goodwill that's earned uh, being given to Scorsese here because it's on familiar ground and it does have that sense of finality and reflection but i couldn't help dave and this is mainly your fault because this is this podcast this premise Good. i like where this is going <laughs> but we just watched silence and it feels like the people who are saying all these nice things about the irishman about how it's a reflection back on your own like morality your mortality like the, the 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 pain, the suffering that you've put on others, knowing if that was the right thing to do. It's like you get that in silence. It's like, yeah, but that wasn't like a gangster shit where they like <laughs> shot people in the head. So I just skipped that one. And so it feels extremely familiar as it should, because yes. Scorsese is an old man. Yep. So I can see why that's his headspace. But I do wonder that if, if this was made by you know a young younger filmmaker, would people are they reading too much into it because of their own history or their own respect for Scorsese where they're, they're looking at this, like this will be on his tombstone, which <laughs> is just a different, you know, it's just a different type of interaction with film. And it's not necessarily disingenuous because you can't be a film fan and just be like, I have blinders on. I don't right. even want to know who made it. Like a, this yeah. is not like a Coke or Pepsi test. <laughs> right. So you're going to bring something to this of course but yeah for the most part i sat back having watched all these films over the last two months and this was the most muted reaction i've had to a scorsese movie mm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of elements i liked and then there's a lot of it where yeah i mean it's the easiest criticism but i did feel like well this this feels like excess in the wrong ways at mm. times for me this feels like 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 netflix the netflix model of throw some money at it and it'll just be something we store away on our servers and mm-hmm. whatever. Like I felt like I wanted, I wanted it to be something where maybe there was a little more pushback on this, maybe not gangs of New York level, which <laughs> didn't make her cut because we didn't get the actual Scorsese cut, 
but yeah, this felt, I don't know. It just felt rushed. It, it felt like mm. this was something like you're talking about. It's sort of like a passion project yet again, between him and De Niro over a book. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, a fictional book that came out well, like in the what, 2003, yeah. 2004, <laughs> um, like everything I've read about it. And I, I can't, can't wait for this to enter the Oscar season this year. And you're going to read a thousand articles about like what the Irishman got wrong about history. And it's like basically everything like this is, yeah. this is a made up story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, you know, someone pulling like a sequel to, uh, to kill a mockingbird and be like, no, we found this draft. Let's release it. <laughs> like this guy died. He told me all this. I promise it's all horse shit, but it, I don't know. I think the Netflix thing was actually like, it worked against it and, really bad ways for me because it's like we'll give you all this money for this technology it's not quite there and right. let's do it now and let's get it out now and i felt like this needed like a long pre-production and a long post-production to like get it to where it needed to be for me at least yeah i mean definitely i i can definitely see that perspective and as i was as i was watching the movie those first couple scenes like i did like kind of recoil from the from the special effects but then it like for whatever reason, like maybe it was the performances, maybe it was what I wanted to see, but like I just kind of got used to it and just let it go. And it was totally fine for me. Like I didn't have that reaction that you did. Um, but again, I can, I can get having that reaction because I, you know, I've watched a couple other movies this year that had, you know, the special effects and you hit kind of this uncanny, uncanny valley area. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can't take this seriously. Right. Like Gemini Man came out this year and it's, fucking hideous to look at in certain circumstances so i could definitely understand having that reaction i think what surprised me most well, about go ahead there's an extra there's extra pressure because uh, the one i have not seen that uh the, the will smith Ooh. i don't know what it is sci-fi action movie but yes. um captain marvel would be the other one which you were you were a fan of and i wasn't really uh but even there like i thought it looked kind of silly but i probably just was not picking at young Sam Jackson. Cause I don't really give a fuck. Cause it's right. like about aliens and stuff. And you know, there, there, there's sure. uh green scrolls running around, whatever. It's right. all nonsense. This is, you know, it's I a mean, human it's story. So, so. so you're, you're masking one of the greats for me behind this kind of crazy shit. And his eyes just look off. They look dead to me. And I'm I, now I'm just getting mad at the movie. <laughs> I'd rather him just like, <laughs> like do this is the only time I'll ever say this. Like, <laughs> do like the Chevy Chase thing when he's playing Gerald Ford. Oh, it's like, Jesus. <laughs> I don't care. Just roll out there and say that 70 year old De Niro is like 35 and I don't give a fuck. Let's like, if go. You don't, don't Let's do it. Don't fuck up his face and I'll just roll with it because he's that good. Right. That's true. I think the thing that surprised me most is how, how funny this movie is. Like I wasn't expecting like yeah. so much humor from it. You know, like, let's be real. It's a story about either Jimmy Hoffa or a hitman. Like those are your those are your plot lines in this movie. But like there are several laugh out loud, purposefully so, moments in this movie. And and I think with a movie this long, you kind of need that. Like you need those moments of levity. Uh not only because it's a long movie, but because like otherwise it's just like so serious and so dour. Um and I I really appreciated that. Like even the the scene you were talking about where he, you know, takes out all of his guns and lays them out on the bed and he kind of goes through each one. This one, I didn't you didn't find it that, that funny <laughs> at that moment, Dave, yes. I had other concerns, <laughs> yes. but that moment is really funny as is like, you know, the, the sequence where they're, you know, dumping all the cabs in the, in the water. Like this is, this is enjoyable stuff. And the, 
maybe one of my favorite scenes in the movie is Pacino losing his mind that this guy can't be on time. Like it just, (laughs) it just eats at him so much. Like, and I love that scene because you can see him. There's like an arc to the character in that scene. He starts off really fucking pissed. And then you see him like try and get his shit under control. He's listening to his friends. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. No, this is not okay. And he just launches into it again. It's a great moment. Like, I love it. Uh, it's a great scene because I there, there's like this sort of like the act within like the actual like you know the acting for the narrative you're watching on screen like the performance within the performance of Pacino's character as you said legitimately pissed in that moment <laughs> but then there's that sort of theatricality to how you're going to deliver this and I, I've been in those shoes I'm sure you have where you're like you started pissed and now you're kind of launching into your rant and you sort of can step outside of yourself and you're like, shut up. This is kind of amusing. Like yes. what, what I'm saying now is almost de-escalating it for me, but I can't like show that I'm de-escalating because I want to get to my point, which, you know, five minutes ago, I really, really meant it. But now, now it's just about the performance of it. And yeah, so, I mean, there are individual moments in this, I think are fantastic. And like I said, in my review, like, I don't think Scorsese really has it in him to make a bad or dull movie. Now this one does push my limits, but it's, it is one. And unfortunately, like, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if I can be as earnest as you, Dave, and be like, when I pull up on Netflix, that I'm going to like, be like, all right, turn off the lights, dog, be quiet, <laughs> like turn off all devices. Like, I don't, I don't know, but you know, it is one that I have been thinking about a lot and it's like, I'm more sort of befuddled with myself. Like what, what was the disconnect so much? Mm. Like other than the visual effects, which I'm just sort of like adamantly opposed sure. to almost on like, well, especially when they announced that, you know, uh, James Dean. Is yeah. Coming back we're just going to gonna like, prop know, up his I'm dead corpse sort of, digitally. And yeah. So now yeah. I'm kind of like against same. all of this. Yeah. Um, but I do want to revisit it, but because of the length. Yeah. Like, you know, with silence, like I love that movie. So when it came out, it was like my number two for whatever year that was. Right. And you had a real hard time getting me to sit down to watch it for the podcast. Like, God damn it, Mike, we have to record three hours (laughs) of religious persecution. And, you know, this (laughs) appropriation of a culture, like, you know, there's just bad stuff just happening all around. And do I really want to do that? So we'll, we'll see with the, the Irishman. I I don't know. I'm very interested. As you said, this is new for this podcast because everything else we've had time to reflect and we have sort of time to how it's sort of settled into like the, the and, landscape. And a lot of, of them are rewatches. We've seen them before and we're kind of yeah. processing it in a deeper way. And this is like immediate reaction, which like, frankly, we've both done new release podcasts and like, I, I can't fucking stand it. I can't stand the immediate reaction thing because I know mm. my reactions tend to be strong in both directions. Right. Like I'll see a movie and be like, what a piece of shit. That's terrible. And then I'll rewatch it again, like three years later. I'm like, oh, that's serviceable. That's fine. And like there's some movies that I watch and I kind of posted about this on Twitter. Um, I put up this thing that was like, hey, what 2019 movie did you really, really love when you saw in the theater? And is kind of like, you know, maybe not so much anymore. It doesn't make it a bad movie. But like I think sometimes we focus so much on getting our opinions out quickly that we don't sit with things. And even for like a couple weeks, like, I mean, my, my example, which I didn't put online because I'm not trying to start that fight was like, when I saw Booksmart, I absolutely adored it. I loved it. Five stars. Fantastic. Two or three weeks later, I was like, yeah, that was all right. That was pretty good. You know? And it's like, there is a a lot of, uh, a lot of mentions though, in a particular question. It did. It did. Um, It was like that and Midsummer, and, you know, like, so 
Yeah, I think sometimes um, it's valuable to kind of like you don't have to give your end all be all take, right? You can you can think about it. You could we're we're not paid reviewers. We're not you know getting paid to give our opinion. But sometimes you'll go back and look at people's reviews and be like, that idiot gave this four stars. That movie's not that good. But like you have to remember, this is like immediate reaction. And sometimes the way we process art, I think, is kind of unhealthy. Where we're just like, oh, it's I I watched it and it's been five minutes. So I got to write out what I think. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly I've talked to some, you know, other movie podcasters and it's um, I wouldn't say it's concerning. I would it's amusing to me <laughs> on how uh, clear eyed they think their opinions are in that yeah. moment. Like and, and you know, what? I say that and I'm the asshole that's like, well, they're stupid, but I always know exactly which way the wind's blowing. Like, um, but I, I do have to I mean, you have to be open to like like this one, like. Like I, I come out of it like I guess just like disappointed parent where it's like everyone fucking loved this. It's Scorsese and I'm coming at it like, you know, this is probably like the 30th best movie I've seen this year or my 30th <laughs> favorite. You know, it is like right. just such a such a like I enjoyed that kind of. But I don't know. There's an awful lot. I don't. And I I do. I mean, you have to like in the back of your mind think like, OK, if Todd Phillips release this because you know he loves to copy scorsese movies he does does this does this get the pass on some of the problem areas of it and if it does if, you, if you're just coming to it which god knows i know you, I, you've probably seen enough tweets i think spielberg's the latest one going around where like people are like isn't that the guy who did ready player one there are enough <laughs> idiots out there young bucks who yep. probably don't hold scorsese right up in high regard so if they like it they're having i guess the most honest reaction to it where right. they're bringing no respect to it but yeah, I I think that uh, it's something we'll we'll see in three months time, right? Because this right. is going to go through the like Oscar ringer, and so it's you're going to get the like. I am not looking forward to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to get the the takedowns and like, was it really that good? And then you're going to have the people come back and be like, no, 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 this this sort of like the the wind's blowing against it. Now we're going to push back against that, and you know, it's, it is a terrible, terrible curse on it's film exhausting. fandom to like have yeah. that going. Yeah, uh, but quietly like. I do think this is one I'll re- revisit like four or five, six times, you know, throughout the years. I, I can easily see watching this again because uh, sometimes I really like the ones that I have like, like just trouble sort of figuring uh-huh. out why it didn't connect with me. And uh-huh. I end up <laughs> maybe giving them more leeway than I should myself. Right. Uh, I think pre letterboxed. Maybe it wasn't because I'm, as you said, I'm sort of very late to letterbox and I'm not very good at it because I start a new account every other year. But uh, I remember the reviews are good. Your process is not great. (laughs) Well, my my process when it comes to any sort of like social media is like, uh, don't talk to me. But here's (laughs) here's all my stuff that I'm very social of you. I like it. I, I seem to recall Soderbergh doing a thing where like he just like posted on a website or something of his where he just like posted. Here's what I watched this year. He kept a journal oh. of everything he watched. And I remember at the time him revisiting social network and he didn't have commentary. It's not like he had little reviews or thoughts, but he just posted a list of like, here's the journal of everything I watched. And people could kind of put together like, oh, wow, he revisited the social network an awful lot. And I, I have none of his thoughts. But I also was like, that is really cool. So I do like that aspect of, I guess, letterbox where, you know, you can go back five years from now and be like, okay, so what was like, just what was something I just couldn't get out of my head, good or bad. And I think Irishman will be one of those things for me. I think once upon a time, 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be that for people who also had a muted reaction to it. The idiots yeah. and fools that they are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think there is, it's, you know, of course, the length helps this, but it is a movie that just, it, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to look at. There's a lot there to think about. Um, and I wanted to kind of circle back to something you said about about silence and kind of, you know, seeing the similarities between these movies and yet silence got like no, no play. Um, nope. I mean, I think one of the reasons is what you brought up, right? It's like, it's a three hour movie about faith and it's not, you don't have the shorthand of like, Oh, it's De Niro and Pesci and Pacino. This is great. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm bought in. But I think another piece is the characters who are going through that have very few familial or human connections in silence, right? It's a very kind of internal, almost selfish process that Garfield's character is going through. Whereas in this movie, it's in really short bits, but you see how it's impacting their family. And I think that's something that people can relate to. Like, oh, look what he's, look what Mm. he's missing. Whereas you don't know what Garfield is missing because he's missing celibacy, the church. I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, but De Niro, you can see like he has his family around him (laughs) that wants to connect with him and he's not doing it. That's so interesting to me because I, I have no, faith you know my mom taught me well about organized religion i didn't need to see spotlight i knew what those people were about like <laughs> you know, when i was six years old um it's the time to warn you but, i guess you know that's <laughs> what that is the one thing you know if you if you want to uh take away a little bit of your kid's childhood uh keeping them away from predators yes uh Good probably call. probably yeah. not bad you know, you can keep telling them that Santa's real, but that's <laughs> they're fine. also sex predators are about. As long as someone is giving you kids. gifts, that's fine. <laughs> you get Santa Claus, but there's also the possibility of, uh, you know, <laughs> the of priest what, there. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, how, how, how do I wrap this up? Gone on this <laughs> podcast? I'm like, I don't think I have. I think that's we'll the closest you've come. Yeah, that's. Yeah, for the Irishman of all things. I'm keeping it family friendly. <laughs> um, okay, but anyway. I find that interesting because I, without that faith, totally understand the pain that Garfield's going through, or even Adam Driver, who disagrees with him on technique or tactics, I guess, with that particular film. But the Paquin stuff, I just found it all be horseshit. I found it be the most horseshit in this film because it is such an afterthought to the rest of it. Given that you have, well, I think that's kind of the point. I think that's kind of the point is that he doesn't notice, and neither do you, until things are too far gone to fix. I think, I think that's. Purposeful. I don't think this dude would honestly give a shit. Well, like, once everything else so. has been taken away from him, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I I think that's wanting to uh, absolve the audience of them their fascination with gangsters mm. more so than it is like a genuine thing i mean or it could be you know the the horseshit book that it's based on that's just all Jesus. fucking lies it, i mean it is it's like, historical okay, so fiction it's fine <laughs> okay I, if i wanted to watch uh, a fucking documentary i would have like this is not what i'm here for so i'm okay with it being well, horseshit <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, the movie works better if it's revealed to be horseshit. I had that thought because oh, I'm like, this is a guy that is sitting. I don't know. Are we going to do spoilers? I guess this is the first time I have to actually question if we're doing spoilers. I think we can do spoilers. Like it's, you know, it's going to be available on Netflix, you know, for anyone to watch. So 
if you don't want to hear the spoiler, I guess like fast forward 10 minutes to when we're wrapping up, but go ahead. <laughs> or, um, uh, we're going to still be spoiling it. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <months> later. <laughs> and Dave's a jerk. In the well, editing room. That's always true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think, because uh, I wondered if it was going that direction, if we're going to get this guy in this retirement home, because apparently that's how this book came to be. Supposedly mm-hmm. that he just told these stories to this guy and, you know, maybe he wanted to make himself someone bigger because the the, mm-hmm. the structure of it's interesting, right? How we go back and forth, how most of the time he's just sort of like a glorified sort of personal assistant. Yeah. I mean, he's surrounded it's a by gopher, like, basically. Yeah. You know, he's surrounded by, you know, mafioso guys. So, I mean, it's it, there's still an element of danger in that he's on the periphery mm-hmm. of people making life and death decisions. But it it just felt to me like it could go that direction more so than him sitting there thinking, boy, I was a bad father. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no shit. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I, I guess I just don't believe that audiences really care that much like it can it compares like most movies very unfavorably to goodfellas uh as far as having just a a hint of that family life sure but instead we don't we don't actually have like access as you said to paquin's thoughts who seems to be the 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 outside sort of judgment Uh that he's getting for the decisions he's made Uh, it's just interesting to me that that character also like was a huge apparently huge fan of jimmy hoffa so like her particular antenna for like, you know, nice dudes, uh, kind of skewed anyway. Um, but I I don't know It it felt tacked on just to give like some extra meaning to this character where I don't think it's deserved or even to me is warranted. I, I kind of like the idea of a gunslinger who at the end of his life is just like everyone else. That, yeah, maybe he was so close in, in this fantasy version, he's the one that kills Hoffa. And so he does have some historical merit, but it doesn't matter. Like in the end, there's no one like there's that funny bit where uh, he asked for his attorney when he's being pressed on, you know, <laughs> trying to give up the goods. <laughs> yeah, everyone that cares is dead. Yep. So what's it matter now? I mean, it, it, that if the movie had ended right there. I would have, you know, that would have been four stars, Dave, on the oh, box okay. and stuff. That would have earned that extra yeah, star. <laughs> I think, I think the Pac-Man stuff is just, it's just so people feel comfortable that they're, they're yet again, they're watching, you know, sociopaths on screen, and it's like, well, this one, this one has a little bit of a heart. You know, the Grinch is trying there, but it's just like, you know, just, just can't happen for him. And now we feel sad, and we feel like this has more meaning than what it really yeah, should. See, it's so interesting that that you took it that way because I think it. It's designed to make audiences uncomfortable with the things that they have enjoyed, with the with the gangster shit, as you have said on on uh, previous podcasts. Um, so it's interesting that we like saw the same thing and read it completely differently as far as audience reaction. But I think the last thing I wanted to really go into because at this point we're like just I mean I could talk about this for two or three hours, but let's not. Um, is that what a, one thing I love about it is how how uncool our lead character is like, he's not a badass hitman. Like he's not, he's good at his job, but like, everything's just a little clumsy. Like even when he kills Hoffa, like Hoffa almost like, he like turns around and almost runs out of the house and he has to like react really quickly. It's not this like hold a gun to his head and right when he turns around, pull the trigger. Like it's not none of his like 
uh, criminal activities are necessarily smoothly done in any way. This is not Goodfellas. This is not Casino. Like, this is a very different version of it. And I really, I really enjoyed that, that it wasn't, that again, I kind of mentioned that he is this character that's kind of next to all these important events. And I think the way he handles himself, like, I think it connects to that. And I think, like, as a bit of characterization, the way that Hoffa dies, I think it really, really works in a, in a way that I wasn't expecting from a Scorsese mafia movie. I mean, I've seen Forrest Gump. I've seen better Mike, as far as characters Mike, standing Mike, next to I will listen history. to a lot of horseshit, but I will not listen to you compare this to Forrest fucking Gump. Well, it's unfair to the Irishman, I'll grant you, because Forrest Gump is fucking classic. And no. I hope to get to that one day. When I don't do think Zemeckis. it's going to happen. Nope. Because then you'll just, I'm just going to be a bad mood for the whole episode. It's just, I'll be like, Gary well, no, is great. That's it. <laughs> we'll get to the Polar Express at the end, and then you'll be back Stop in the, the type it. of movies that you like. <laughs> All right. That's enough out of you. It is time to wrap up. Uh, watch The Irishman in whatever way you can. Uh, support actual movies and not just Marvel and Disney products. All right. Um, so now we come to Mike's favorite part of the show. Uh, where we talk about our favorite, our uh, Scorsese's best and Scorsese's masterpiece. So, Mike, out of so let's quickly review the movies we covered. Uh, we covered Cape Fear, The Age of Innocence, Casino, Bringing Out the Dead, The Aviator, The Departed, Hugo, The Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, and The Irishman. So, out of those, what was your favorite? What was your favorite viewing experience? Hmm. Now this one's actually, I think this is just as tough as the uh, first batch, which uh-huh. I didn't expect because uh, you know you've got Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and Goodfellas, uh, which we should tell our uh, listeners that Goodfellas was supposed to be the first episode of the second month, yes. but because of the Irishman, which apparently I made a huge mistake there because I just gave you forty minutes to rant and rave about how great it was instead of the last waltz. <laughs> I, I take that back. That was not a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't I, I think it's walk. good. Call. Um, yeah, I think this is this is very tough. So which one are we starting with? Favorite. 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 Yep. I think my favorite. See, there's an easy answer here. And I think that's the Wolf of Wall Street because it's just so fun. It is fun. But I I, I think I prefer the aviator, honestly, mm. just personally. And I, I don't know if that's. I just like the you know the the nice like sort of touches the 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 tip of the cap to a particular time period and uh-huh. filmmaking. Um, the other thing is like I, I don't like these you know this life story type shit we get in Oscar season, and this one is always my counterpoint to that. Right when people are like, sometimes yeah, it can suck. be good. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's been a favorite pull of mine. So I guess I should put that one in there. But it's really close for me as far as pure entertainment value between this and Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. I'm guess I'm I guess I'm gonna go with the <laughs> strange to say because it's not like the Howard Hughes portrayed there as the nicest guy. But I guess I'm gonna go with the nicer of the two mm-hmm. Leo uh, yeah. fun movies here. <laughs> yeah. So going with the Aviator. So if you had to choose between your favorite from last month and this month, it was it would either be the Aviator or Last Temptation of Christ. So which one takes the the favorite Scorsese movie oh, for Mike. Um, Last Temptation is probably easiest there. Um, it's Jesus. Jesus, Howard Hughes. 
He's fine. He, he's one he's, is God. One he thinks he's God. You know. Yeah, I'm sure during uh, his lifespan, he would not have been cool with uh, coming in second to Jesus. But I, I think that's fine. So yeah, I would probably still go with Last Temptation out of the right. first batch winning out. Yeah. So for me, um, just for context, last month my favorite was Goodfellas, uh, and I think my favorite is uh, Bringing Out the Dead um, for this month. That is. I was, it's one of those movies that, for Scorsese, it's one of those that's like unsung and one that I've always enjoyed. Um, but I was surprised at, I'm always surprised every time I rewatch it, just how much I enjoy it. Cause sometimes you're like, is it really that good? I don't know. No one else talks about it. And then you watch it again. And you're like, nope, this is great. I enjoy every single minute of this. And I think, um, in terms of favorite, like I would, I would take that over Goodfellas. Like I, I really enjoy it. And a lot of it, I think it's, it helps that it's got a little bit of a shorter runtime, you know, and you can just kind of put it on and it, it doesn't take it doesn't take like a huge buy in like Goodfellas does. Like it's a kind of an epic story of an entire life, whereas this is basically it's a night, you know, it's a it's a night from hell for Nicolas Cage. So I think that's and if you had asked me at the beginning of this two months, like, is this your favorite Scorsese movie? I don't think I would have said that. I don't think that's what I would have chose. So. So it's been a it's been a fun couple months. So I'd go with uh, bringing out the dead. So now we move to his best movie. Uh, Mike really threw everyone for a loop last month and chose uh, chose Alice for the best movie. I think you are. Did, did that throw everyone for a loop? That, I think when you've got and this is not an indictment of your choice. I think it's a Alice doesn't live here anymore. It's a great choice. But when you've got it up against Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, like this is a you know that's a stacked month. Um, so to go for a movie that is maybe a little less well-known, maybe a little less appreciated, I think is a great choice, but it is a surprise. But what is your, what is your best of this, of this newer batch of movies? All right. With, with that sort of introduction, then fuck all of you. I'm going to pick Hugo for this batch for best. How about that? Mike, you just love kids so much. I think that's that's the thing. I was trying to like with my best. I'm I'm looking at it for more of a. Uh, I mean, you could almost say like surprise or like just sort of like a craftsmanship level, like taking a story I wouldn't necessarily have any interest in. So there's plenty of slice of life type stories. Like I remember on our our Alice uh, episode, uh, I think it was Variety. I was reading some review that was like, uh more stories about regular people. They should just die and get off our screen. Like, you know, don't deserve to have their stories told, which was, you know, harsh uh, to say the least. Uh, Hugo, it's got kids. It's based on a children's like illustrated book. And it's in 3d, like at the sort of, Oh, for no, three, I was about to say, <laughs> at the, at the peak, but I guess it was right at the downswing of 3d. Mm, like I yeah. thought it might be like the start of something. Uh, and I was shocked how much I enjoyed it again. Now I, I loved it the first go round. I remember I was rooting for it against uh, the artist that year. It's like, Oh, maybe, maybe Marty, you know, can pull through here. Uh, but I mean, really what I was debating with on best for this month was this, uh, was Hugo or silence for that degree mm-hmm. of difficulty that I think it, it had to be this guy it had to be Scorsese in this moment, telling the story, uh, and otherwise, it may have been something very forgettable for either one of those films. Mm-hmm. But I guess I will go like Aviator. I'll go with something slightly more palatable and mm-hmm. honestly rewatchable for me. And I'll go with Hugo. I do think it's like 
also, you know, we're coming up, we're recording this two days before Thanksgiving. We're right, you know, the holiday season. Hugo was like, not necessarily like Christmas based, but it is a, like a great time to watch Hugo is like the holiday yeah. season. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the mood for that. Still not so much for silence, but I, I respect <laughs> silence. I respect the hell out of it. So which one ranks higher for you? Is it Hugo or Alice doesn't live here anymore? What is Scorsese's <laughs> best between those two? <laughs> it's, it's Alice doesn't live here anymore. I mean, that's, you know, that kid gets smacked around. So uh, <laughs> that's true. Okay. This is a you Okay. It has to win. Mike is yeah. back. All right. That's good. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, last month for best, I chose Raging Bull. Um, so this month I'm, I'm between surprisingly for me, at least Scorsese's last two movies. Um, it's either the Irishman or silence. And it makes sense given that, as you mentioned on our discussion on the Irishman, they're weirdly similar, um, in theme. Um, and I, my initial reaction is to go with the Irishman, but I am also very wary of that kind of, of the effect of like, I just saw this movie and I loved it so much. Like I just saw it a couple weeks ago and I haven't been able to get it out of my head. So like, if you ask me this in another couple months, like it might be like, Oh, silence is definitely, is definitely the best. But for right now, I'm going to go with the Irishman. Like it really, it really hit me hard. Um, and I think it's the best of this crop. And it's like, this is even more so than most of the directors we have covered or will covered. Like this is, this is an embarrassment of riches. Like there are so many good movies and you're like, I could easily pick Wolf of Wall Street or The Aviator um, or Hugo or even The Age of Innocence, which I really liked, you know, like (laughs) I knew that would get a mention somewhere in this rundown. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But again, I guess I am stuck in the past because if I had to choose between these two bests, I would still go with Raging Bull. I, I just think it's I just think it's a perfect movie and it's. It's also a shockingly perfect movie, given that it's one of those. It's not a passion project. It's something that Marty didn't want to do. It's something like in terms of like the the world of sports, the world of boxing, he knew nothing about. So the fact that he was able to take that lack of knowledge and create like, to me, one of the greatest films ever made is pretty impressive stuff. So I'd still go with best for uh, for Raging Bull. Uh, So now we move to Masterpiece. So the one movie uh, that you would pick. Uh, to represent Scorsese uh, to somebody. So last month, uh, Mike picked Taxi Driver. Um, pretty, you know, that is not a shocking choice. That makes a lot of sense. It does feel... I'm sorry to disappoint it, I am very that. disappointed in you. <laughs> I was sure it was going to be New York, New York. Uh, but it's, uh, it is like, it is very much like Scorsese distilled. Like it does feel like a very Scorsese movie. Even you talked about like, you know, You don't necessarily want to watch movies with blinders on, but I still feel like if you watch that movie with blinders on, you took away the credits and you'd watch a bunch of other Scorsese movies, you would absolutely know that's a Scorsese movie through and through. Um, But what about this month? What is the the masterpiece uh, starting in 1990 for Scorsese? It's bringing out the dead. I didn't have a second choice. This this was always going to be my pick for this, this batch. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I'm so happy. Like, it's one of those movies that, despite the fact it's made by one of the titans of, of direction, in, especially in American film, that it's not even like people are like, oh, I don't like that movie. Like, people don't seem to know about it. Like, it just seems to get completely skipped over and kind of left behind. It's, and it's fantastic. 1999 effect, man. It, yeah. it just came out in a highly competitive year. And uh, 
I, 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 as we talked about in our discussion on it, I do think the fact that it's not the Irishman. You, you don't have like a regular. You don't have De Niro in the lead. You've got Nicolas Cage, which <laughs> the internet sort of ebbs and flows on like laughing at or with him, I yes. guess. So yes. there's that. I, I I really hate that, you know, there's the distinct possibility that uh, clips from this film uh, are included in probably some Nick Cage, like freak out montage on YouTube. Um, but I, I know your next question is going to be, you know, which, you know, how does it stack up against Taxi Driver? And I take it over Taxi Driver. Wow. Uh, because I I think I'm probably just far more comfortable with uh, they're both. I mean, they're both about dudes. You mentioned in our discussion, uh, just riding around New York and feeling like they've got to do something right mm-hmm. now. One of them is professionally capable of doing something and in a position to do so, but there, there are limits, right? There are limits on how much you can control what people want to do to themselves, uh, to each other. And I guess I'm just more comfortable with, the the character that cage plays like feeling this guilt and shame about just being a witness just bearing witness to people's problems and not necessarily wanting to like <laughs> cause more destruction just because he feels lonely or isolated mm. like I, th- I think that he's not necessarily a likable character certainly more likable than travis bickle but there is <laughs> low bar sort of- there <laughs> But he shares that sort of male ego that is like, Mm. well, I should be able to save everyone I come in contact with. And so, you know, De Niro and Taxi Driver feels like (laughs) after he fails to assassinate someone and just take a life just randomly because he's not a political guy. Well, I can save Jodie Foster. And I do think that there's an element to it that uh, it still shocks me how relatively unheralded bringing out the dead is. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just I'm just like I'm more in line with like the message, I guess, that it's saying about its main character and all of his flaws than Taxi Driver, which can be obviously skewed. And we've seen it be yeah. skewed by probably many young people Idiots. watching Taxi Idiots, Driver for the Mike, first time. Just, yeah. just say, call it like it is. <laughs> but there you go. There's your curveball. But that one yeah. that is the one honestly coming into this whole process that I knew was going to be like if you gave me one movie out of this uh, insanely impressive filmography. Bringing out the dead would be the one I would take. Right. All right. So in terms of my masterpiece last month, I also chose Taxi Driver. It was the one thing we agreed on last month. This one that's really here it comes Age of Innocence. Age of Innocence. Here <laughs> no, it comes. It's not. So this <laughs> this I realized like after choosing a masterpiece last month was difficult. Choosing a masterpiece this month is even more difficult as I got more and more context about who Scorsese is as a filmmaker. Uh, because I think there's, I mean, granted, he has made uh, just about every genre of film you can imagine. Like, he's made a straight-up horror film that we skipped, you know, Shutter Island. Like, he's, you know, he's done, you know, he's done the period piece. He's obviously done the the Mafia movie, you know? He's done the, like, One Crazy Night movie, whether you're talking about Bringing Out the Dead or After Hours. Both of those kind of really fit in. So it's really hard to narrow down who he is. And I think the two most common things are like the kind of the the violent films that he has made. And then there's the crisis of faith movies he's made. I think those are the two most common kind of uh, thread lines in his movies. Um, the difficult thing is I'm also thinking of this, like if I had to show one person, I had to show a person one movie, 
Like, do I want to show them something like Silence? Will they ever watch another Scorsese movie again? <laughs> because that was my immediate reaction was to go with Silence, because I do feel like that encapsulates him as a filmmaker. But if I saw someone who had never seen a Scorsese movie, like, here's this three-hour treatise on faith. Enjoy. Report back, and I'll give you another movie to watch. I'd be like, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> like, why would you make me watch this? Well, and if you're picking for, uh, you know, two months, let's say you can narrow it down to two films, uh, at least mine makes for a pretty good double feature with it Taxi does. Driver and Bring Out the Dead. Yeah. But if you're going with Silence, you'd have to really punish Ooh. them and go with Last Temptation and Silence. You'd have to have <laughs> Oh, what a double feature. Oh, my night. God. Yeah. So for that reason, I think actually what I'm going to pick as the masterpiece is Wolf of Wall Street. Um, because I still think that character has a lot in common. Jordan Belfort has a lot in common. Also, I love how you went off about the Irishman, like, not being true to reality. And we're, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, you had nothing but good things to say about it. And we have no idea if that stuff actually happened. But anyway. Look, sir, <laughs> is there a scene, and maybe I missed it, with the guy who may or may not have a gun. Oh, wait, he's just vomiting on himself. Uh, was there a scene with Polar Express De Niro snorting cocaine out of a hooker's ass? Did I miss it? I'm just saying. I mean, I, I, I'm, wish, I'm I kind of wish there was degree, now. <laughs> a certain degree of bullshit. And that's the line. You get in one of those visual gags and I'm with you. I'm I'm with you for the rest of the way. It could have had the fucking had animated cocaine just spurting up in the air. It would have been great. JFK himself. And I would have been like, yeah, that probably makes sense. That rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think Jordan Belfort has a lot in common with some of the more toxic characters that uh that scorsese has brought us in the past whether you're talking about you know lamada or you're talking about uh travis bickle uh but it also has you know his flourishes of comedy um and it also has you know the kind of the epic scale uh and it's got the kind of ups and downs that goodfellas does so i feel like it just like kind of encapsulates everything i love about scorsese into into one film and an enjoyable film and something that i could sit someone down and be like hey watch this even if you don't really go for the deeper messages, like you're going to have a good time watching this and you're going to get a grasp of what Scorsese does as a filmmaker. So I think that would be the one I would choose I mean, for masterpiece. You're on point. Cause that was his most financially successful film, right? So that's right. Yeah. If you would just listen to me, <laughs> you would be fine. I think I'm still going taxi driver. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the quintessential Scorsese film. And a lot of it probably has to do with the fact it's the, I think the first Scorsese film I ever watched and had a really big impact on me as far as like what movies can be and the ways they can stretch you as a viewer. Like I just, I just think it's an incredible piece of work and, you know, I try not to use terms like this very often when we talk about movies, but kind of a, a brave decision from a filmmaker and a really gutsy one to make this, to make a totally unlikable character and yet still be able to kind of bring you along for the ride and feel empathy, if not for him, for the people around him and get a sense of understanding of why he is the way he is. Cause you do look at the, the city through his eyes and you do, you don't agree with what he does, but you do feel that rage and you, you kind of get it. Uh, and that's not an easy thing for a filmmaker to do. So taxi driver, I think is still the masterpiece, you know, but through these 20 movies, I mean, I could, I could probably make an argument for like 12 of them being his masterpiece, which is pretty impressive. Like this is, you know, I don't think we're going to see I mean, that think, with a lot of directors that we cover. I do think Taxi Driver probably could be improved. 
if they had one sequence where, say, like an Anna Paquin-like character gives him a steely-eyed, no. No conversation for you, Papa. You are a bad man. <laughs> bad right. man. That's, uh, shut up. That's about <laughs> you. So, Mike, I want you to, I want you to tell people the, the favor that I have bestowed upon you and what we're going to talk about next month and how I kept you on this show. <laughs> I, I love this. I love this because you want to talk about this, this fucking Scorsese for, for two months straight. You're welcome. 20, 20 movies and, and Twitter's still talking hours. about them. It's still in the conversation. <laughs> still. uh, Yeah. I mean, it's topical in that way. And I guess next month, probably not. Uh, but now, now you want me to shut up because I, uh, you know, I picked on your uh, rogue, mm-hmm. <laughs> rogue from the X Men. I picked on her and her like muted appearance in the Irishman. That's and you're the, like, you know what? That's the pull you go to. That is offensive. That you would reference well, a comic I book her... when we're talking about Scorsese. <laughs> Honestly, I forgot her character's name in True Blood and also in Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret because she's not Margaret. So <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good movie. When are we going to do his month? Because what's he got? Three movies? Yeah, I was gonna, fantastic. Short... Fucking fantastic. Nah, you got to get at least a five, man. You got to get at least a five. He's going to be dead and so are we before he gets to that. He's not, you know, he works at a glacial pace. Jesus. He does. Well, All he's right, too busy, month... like, writing plays or whatever he does. So, you know, the man works, just not in Hollywood. So I'm going to see if I can get a couple bootlegged YouTube videos of his plays. And we'll Let's do it. Those okay. Five. If you All can right. get that, we'll do it. <laughs> I don't have to next month because we are finally getting a director of some renown on <laughs> and it will be the last month of a podcast directed by because it can't be topped. It's done. The project is over. I mean, we haven't Nancy recorded Myers. ahead anything else, so it might be. <laughs> Nancy Myers is here and you're welcome. Merry Christmas <laughs> to all of our listeners. Enough of this shit. Yes. On to the best. So this December, uh, I guess I should look up. Uh, I I can't believe I can't remember the movies that she's directed because it's like it's not that many guys. It's only it's only six movies. But we will be covering just one movie per episode because her output has been so minimal. This lazy lazy director Nancy Myers. Uh, we'll be covering The Parent Trap, What Women Want, Something's Got to Give, The Holiday. It's complicated. And the intern. So that is what you have to look forward to. So, Mike, any last words you want to leave people with before we end this episode, either on Scorsese or your your queen, apparently Nancy Myers? Anything you'd like to leave with? I, I don't really have words for Nancy Myers, so it's a disservice to her next <laughs> month. Anything we say is really <laughs> won't amount to shit. Uh, so I would just recommend people just watch the holiday on repeat, repeat, and don't listen to us at all because we we're not worthy of her editing uh, that I out. Do to... <laughs> no way. I do want to clarify. Uh, I don't dislike Anna Paquin uh, because I, I'm not. I want to. I love how you you that know part. that you're coming off like really mean. I just oh, want no, to no, say no. I like her. Well, I'll take that back. I actually don't like her that much. But I was just trying to lead into you know a little teaser for what follows Nancy Myers. It just struck me like when you were saying, "Hey, use a better reference." She's in a really great movie from one from our January list. So I do look forward to that. Okay, very nice, excellent. All right, so I try to I... be nice. I get nothing. It's try to right. be kind to people, and you just like you. <laughs> you just want to take it all back. Don't like it. <laughs> I don't like you, nice. Uh, so yeah, catch up with those Nancy Myers movies. All jokes aside. 
I'm excited for December. I think it's the perfect director for December, especially since the holidays are in there. It's perfect. So catch up on those. Uh, and if you would like to follow us on Twitter, our handle is at DirectedByPod. And you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast directed by.